Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So good to be in church, isn't it? Where else would you want to be? The church is such a beautiful and unique thing on the planet Earth. There's nothing else like the church. The soccer club, the football club, the Lions club, the automobile club, the whatever club will never match up to what the church is and what the church is called to be. Never, never, because there's that divine supernatural ingredient that nothing else has when we come together. So I'm so glad that you're here this morning and you're part of the church. God, Jesus loves his church. Loves his church so much. He loves you so much. You are loved. You are so loved. Hey, you might have noticed that when you came in that um, we've we've kind of covered some of the chairs in um, black fabric, but they're uncovered now because there's people sitting in them, which is great. But the reason why we have started doing that is because if people come late or big families come late or visitors, you know, maybe it, maybe there's a visitor, took them a little while to find us because they haven't been here before. We want to have a seat for them when they come in. That's, you know, it's easy if we can just put people in the back and all you guys that come all the time can sit a bit further up the front. Isn't that a good thing? We can be friendly. We can sit together. Yeah, we can be family. And I promise it's safe up the front. I'm trying not to spit on you too much or, you know, point you out or make you get up here or anything like that. It's not going to happen. It's safe to sit up the front. So, yeah, just a little bit of why behind what we're doing. Because, you know, some Sundays we're quite full and we need to push everyone forward so that we can fill up the back seats. All good? So if you're asked to sit somewhere else, just graciously agree because there's a reason why we're asking that. Excellent. Who knows what the theme is for 2019? What is it? What is it? Yes. It's outpour and it's on the wall out there so that when you come in you can be reminded and I want to ask you, what, what do you think about when you think about that word, outpour? Have you thought about it? Have you meditated on it? Have you prayed about it? Because, you know, we will all have a little bit of a different expectation, a little bit of a different perspective on what outpour means. And some of us will be thinking, oh, awesome, I just want God to pour out his blessing on me and that's good that's a good expectation because God wants to bless us some of us are like yeah I want God to to pour out his presence on me excellent excellent desire I want God to pour out his providence on me I need him to meet my needs I want him to pour out his healing on me I need him to strengthen my body they're all great expectations and great um desires of what outpour is but maybe that declaration that God's given us over this year is not just about what he's going to pour on us but maybe it's also about what we need to pour out on him that he wants us to pour out our praise that he wants us to pour out our gratitude 
that he wants us to pour out our thanksgiving because he's so good and he's been so good to us. And all my life he's been faithful. And all my life he's been so, so good. So, you know, it says in James that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So we want God to pour out on us, but maybe we need to take a step towards him first and pour out some love and some gratitude on him. Yeah? Anyone else agree? You're great. (laughs) So I believe we need to pour out a little in order to see him pour out on us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Stephen spoke last week about the table in Psalm 23 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, and he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And there was a table in the temple. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the table today. Is that okay? Yeah, last time I tried to shift the table with the water and my cup overflowed. (laughs) Literally, literally. So this time I'm going to shift the table without the water over here. So we're going we're gonna to revisit the table today. That's the title of my message, Revisit the Table. Everyone say, Revisit the Table. I hope that between last week's message and this Sunday that you took some time at the table, that you visited the table because that was the exhortation last Sunday, wasn't it, to take time at the table. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand if you took time at the table because that wouldn't be very kind. And love is kind. (laughs) But Jesus knows. (laughs) Your shepherd knows if he's met with you this week or not. Not that he keeps a record of wrongs, but he wants to have a relationship with you. So in the temple in Jerusalem, there was a table and it was nothing like this. It was pure gold, not perspex pure gold table and on that table in the temple at all times there was bread all the time on the table in the temple on the table in the temple all the time there was bread (laughs) how is that for alliteration so this is uh one that Stephen prepared earlier because he's the he's the baker in our family it's pretty impressive isn't it yeah That's an impressive loaf of bread. Yeah. So in the temple on the table, there were 12 loaves of bread. 12, not just one. One for each tribe. That's why. And it had to be in the temple at all times and then every week they changed it over and the priests were the only ones that were allowed to eat the bread. And after a week... If I tried to eat this after a week, it would be a bit too crusty and maybe a bit mouldy. But the bread in the temple was still fresh. There's always fresh bread on the table. It's always fresh bread for us. Our daily bread. Our daily bread. He always has fresh bread for us on the table. So it was called, does anyone know what it was called? The theologians among us. It was called bread of the presence or showbread, yes. Because, yeah, it always had to be present in the temple. 
But the beautiful thing about the bread is Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me, comes to me, will never be hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So this is a beautiful, there's so many beautiful symbolic representations in the Old Testament of Jesus. And this is one of them. Because he is our bread of life. He is our Messiah. So this bread in the temple pointed towards what Jesus would be for us, which is beautiful. Only the priests were allowed to eat the bread. Did I say that? Yeah. But we know that when Jesus gave his life, that the curtain was torn from top to bottom and then we were all given free access into the presence of God. It wasn't just the priests that were worthy anymore because of Jesus We've all been made worthy, we've all been cleansed, we've all been purified, we've all been justified, we've all been made righteous so that now we can freely enter into his presence and we can freely sit down with our shepherd and we can freely be nourished by him, we can meet with him, we can speak with him, we can spend time with him, we can hang out with him. He restores our soul. In these moments, he restores our soul. He nourishes us. So each one of us, every single one of us, has an invitation to the table. You have an invitation to the table every single day. Isn't that amazing? And do you know the price that was paid for your seat at this table? price that was paid for this invitation to sit with the shepherd was his life was his life and we can be very flippant about this table sometimes this invitation this daily invitation we can just walk past as Stephen said last week and say sorry Jesus I don't have time today to sit down I'll just grab a snack on the way past. Oh, sorry, Jesus. (laughs) I'll just grab a snack on the way past and I'll just keep going because I'm really busy, you know. I've got to get to the, I've got to get to church and because I'm busy serving you or I've got to go to work. And we can be really flippant about this table and about this invitation to, to stop, to pause, and to sit. And I, I want to, I want to be honest with you and I want to repent for the times where I haven't stopped and sat at the table, where I haven't received that invitation with joy, where I've thought, where I've believed the lie that there's a more attractive invitation at at a table over here or that something over here is going to feed me more or fulfil me more than the bread that's on this table. I want, to, I want to repent for that and I want to say I'm sorry for that because there's nothing else that will ever sustain us like a seat at the table with our shepherd and our saviour and he gave his life so that we could be sustained. He gave his life so that we could be in his presence. He gave everything so that we could sit with him. He gave everything. And we just brush it off and rush past sometimes like it doesn't mean anything 
and it means so much. Our shepherd became the lamb that was sacrificed. The shepherd that we sit with at the table, he became the lamb that was sacrificed for us. And we become too busy, too distracted just to go and sit with him and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this seat at your table. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalm 100, it tells us, because this is a table of his presence. In Psalm 100, it tells us this, how we need to enter his presence. So if we think about the big picture of the temple, this was the part that the priests went into. This is the inner court. Around the temple, there was like a big fence with several gates, north, south, east, west. You could enter from several gates. And so once you stepped into the gates, you were then in the courts. And in the courts was where the celebrations and the praise happened. And then beyond the courts was the Holy of Holies that the priests went into. So it tells us, it's a great metaphor in Psalms, but it tells us how to enter into God's presence. It says when you come in through the gates, enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we enter into his presence saying, thank you, God, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my freedom. Thank you that your presence is with me every single day. I come in through the gates with my heart full of so much gratitude for who you are and for what you've done to me, for me. This is how I come in to your presence with so much thanksgiving. I'm so aware of how good you are. I'm so aware of who you are and whose presence I'm coming into. So that's how we enter in to his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And it says, then we enter into his courts with praise. I'm just going to bring you praise because you are so good. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to look you in the face, Jesus. And I'm going to say, you're awesome. I'm going to focus on you. You're amazing. You're the king above all kings. You're the Lord above all lords. In the name of Jesus, that is above every other name, I'm going to worship you. That's how we come into his courts. And it, the Bible doesn't say there's any other way to come into his presence, but with thanksgiving and with praise. So if you feel like you don't experience the presence of God, I've had people say, I've heard people say, I don't, I don't feel it. You know, I don't, some people come into church and they say, oh, the presence of God was there. I don't feel it. But think about how you're entering. Think about how you're coming in through the gates, how you're coming into the courts. If you're coming in distracted and not really thinking about whose presence you're coming into, if you're coming in grumbling, Oh, had a horrible week. Haven't had any prayers answered this week. Oh, it's been so tough. Oh, I hate my life. 
If you're coming in grumbling, if you're coming in complaining, if you're coming in flippantly like, oh, another Sunday in church, big deal. Oh, we're doing communion again. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for us. Da-da-da, hear it every fortnight. Yeah, yeah. Go through the motions. Don't know why I'm not feeling the presence of God and everyone else raves about the presence of God. Nah. That's not coming into his gates with thanksgiving. That's not coming into his courts going, God, I'm just so in awe of your goodness. I'm just so in awe of who you are. I'm so in awe of you, Jesus. That's how we come in to his courts. That's how we come in to his gates. Bill Johnson has this great description of what thanksgiving, praise and worship is, this great definition which I think just really nails it. Does anyone want to know what it is? (laughs) Just need a drink. Yeah, I'm a loud swallower, so I'm one of those people that can't physically swallow quietly. Does anyone else have that thing? (laughs) Yeah, kids laugh at us and go, why do you have to gulp like that? Oh, it's just how it goes down. It's how my throat works. (laughs) Anyway, Bill Johnson says... Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of the acts of God, what God has done for us. Yeah? Has God done anything for anyone here that you're thankful for? Put your hand up if God's done something in your life that you're grateful for. Has he saved you? Has he set you free? Yeah? Is his presence with you every day? Yes. So thanksgiving is an acknowledgement of the acts of God, what he has done for us. And he's done a lot for every single one of us. Praise is an acknowledgement of the ways of God. Are you grateful for the ways of God, that he teaches you his ways? He teaches you how to live. He teaches you how to walk. He gives you wisdom. He gives you his word. His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Are you grateful for his ways? Yes. Then praise is an acknowledgement for the ways of God because without his ways, without him showing us how to live, how to sow, how to reap, we would be lost, wouldn't we? So praise is an acknowledgement of the ways of God. Worship is a response to the presence of God. So when we know he's with us, we're in awe of him. We're in awe of his presence and so we worship him. You can't not respond if you're grateful. You can't not respond if you're truly grateful for who he is. And if you're truly aware that he's with you, You can't not respond to him. Yeah? And being able to recognise the presence of God, it's not a feeling. Even though we get nice warm feelings in the presence of God, it's so much more than that. It's recognising someone that you know when when they enter into the room. How do you know him? Because you spent time sitting at the table with him, having conversation with him, eating with him, spending time in his presence. 
That's how you know him. I know when Stephen comes home, even if I'm up the other end of the house, because I know his voice. I know as soon as he speaks. You know the voice of your father. And when he enters the room, if you spent time talking with him, you know the voice of your shepherd when he enters the room, if you've spent time with him. You know the peace that he brings. You know the comfort that he brings. You recognise it when it enters the room because you've spent time with him. That is recognising the presence of God in your life. You know how he walks because you've walked with him. I know when Stephen walks down the hallway, his gait because I've walked with him for over 30 years of my life. I've talked with him. I know him. So I know when he enters the room. If you've walked and talked with your shepherd, if you've walked and talked with your saviour, you will know him. You will recognise his presence when he comes into the room, the authority that he carries, how he changes the atmosphere. You will recognise it. You will know it. But... We have to take time to sit at the table with him. Does that make sense? So, and when we gather together and we bring that praise, when we bring that gratitude, it says in Psalm 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. He comes He enthrones himself here with us. Isn't that an amazing thing? He comes. He enthrones himself here with us. When we praise him, he comes and inhabits our praises. That is not something that we should take for granted, is it? That's something we need to stay in awe of. All the days of our life, as long as I have breath, I will praise you. Yeah. So I'm going to go through four points. Who likes points? I'm going to quickly go through four points. (laughs) I like points. Keeps me on track. Is everyone on track? So number one, an outpour of praise invites an outpour of his presence. Yeah? So when we pour out our praise, when we pour out our gratitude, when we come into his presence... So excited to meet with our shepherd when we come into our presence in awe of him. When we come into his presence excited, yeah, prepared, prepared to worship, prepared to celebrate his goodness. When we come already prepared, it invites an outpour of his presence. He inhabits our praises. In Luke chapter 7, There was a woman who'd lived a life of sin and she found out that Jesus was in a house nearby at a Pharisee's house having dinner. So she came into the house and it said that she had an alabaster jar full of perfume and when she came near to Jesus, she was so overwhelmed by his goodness and she was so overwhelmed by his presence that her tears started falling and hitting his feet. And then she knelt down because she was worshipping him. She was responding to his presence in that place. She knelt down 
she started wiping his feet with her tears and she started pouring the perfume on his feet because she knew he was the only one. He was the only one that could cleanse her of her past. He was the only one that could take away her shame. He was the only one that could set her free from her sin. He was her saviour. And she responded to his presence with her tears by pouring her precious, most precious possession over his feet and by wiping his feet with her hair. She was worshipping him. She was acknowledging what he had done for her. This was an act of thanksgiving. This was an act of praise. But the Pharisee whose house it was says that he said to himself in his heart, he didn't even verbalise it, he just said in his heart, if this man were a prophet, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. But Jesus knew his heart. Don't you love it how Jesus knows what's in our heart? Even if we don't verbalise it, he knows what we're thinking. And Jesus said to him, I came into your house. You didn't recognise who I was. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. She loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. She approached him with so much humility so much gratitude, so much thankfulness. She knew nobody else could, could offer her the forgiveness, the wholeness, the healing that she needed. And she poured out her worship. She poured out her praise. She poured out her gratitude. She just wanted to linger in his presence and he allowed her to. Because when we pour out, he pours out. When we pour out on him, he pours out his presence on us. So he invited her into his presence. Number two, extravagant gratitude leads to extravagant praise. If you are extravagantly grateful for what God has done for you and who he is, you will, as an expression of that gratitude, desire to praise him, desire to tell him how good he is, desire to lift your hands, desire to sing and to dance. When you're so grateful, when gratitude is welling up inside of you, you can't come into the presence of God and just stand there like this and go, huh. I wonder how long worship's going to go for today. I wonder if that pastor's going to whistle so loud it hurts my ears like he always does.
Why do they have to dance so crazy on stage? I just don't get it. Like, is that a performance? No, it's a heartfelt response to an awesome saviour. It's a heartfelt response of gratitude. It's, I can't come in here and not open my mouth. I can't stand still because I have a saviour that died for me and gave his all for me and he longs to meet with me and he longs to bless me. And I can't just come in and not do anything and not say anything and not respond to that kind of love. I can't not respond to that kind of love. That perfect love, that healing love. I've never known a love like it and I can't become apathetic about that. I can't become blasé about that. I can't become hard-hearted about that. And it's not that God is greedy and, you know, he has a big ego and he needs our praise. We need to praise him because it helps us to be reminded of how good he is. It helps us to be reminded of how blessed we are. It helps us have our head in the right place and be grateful and not grumbling and realise how much we have and how much he has given us and that he's never left us and that he's never forsaken us. And it's not a performance It comes from your heart. It comes from the depths of your soul that says, if it wasn't for my Saviour, where would I be? Where would I be? Where would I be? I know that if it wasn't for my Saviour, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here testifying to you of how good he's been in my life. I know if it wasn't for my saviour, I wouldn't be whole. I wouldn't be healed. I wouldn't be strong. I'd be struggling. I'd be broken. I'd be lost if it wasn't for my saviour. And I need to acknowledge him and I need to thank him every day of my life. And as long as I have breath in my lungs, I need to praise him for that. And if it wasn't for your saviour, where would you be? Where would you be right now? Where would you be? We need to remember what he's done for us. And not become apathetic, blasé, just another day. Because he's been so, so good to us. And all my life, all your life has been faithful. He's been right next to you, with you, no matter what you've been through. The Pharisee was uncomfortable with this woman's expression of worship. He thought it was over the top. Jesus, don't you know who she is? She shouldn't be touching you like that. She's a sinner. Religion is uncomfortable with extravagant praise because religion is more impressed with my good works than what Jesus has done for me. Whenever we become more impressed with what we do for Jesus than what Jesus has done for us, religion is knocking on our door going, you're a good person, you're a good Christian, you're justified by your good works. No, nothing that I could ever do could even come close to what he's done for me. 
nothing that I could ever do. Religion is uncomfortable with extravagant praise because religion is more concerned with appearance than adoration. Religion is more concerned with how I appear to you than the adoration I bring to my Saviour. Those who know they've been forgiven much, worship much. Yeah. Those who remember they've been forgiven much. Has anyone been forgiven much in this place? Has anyone been forgiven much? I've been forgiven much by my Saviour. A lot. And when I meet with him at the table, I want to say to him, Jesus, how I told you lately, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful that you've never left me. I'm just so grateful for your comfort. I'm just so grateful that you've healed me of all my my hurts and my resentments and you've saved me from making dumb choices. And Jesus, I'm just so thankful that you gave your life so that I could sit here with you. Jesus, have I told you lately? I'm just so thankful for who you are. That's how I want to come into his presence. So grateful. So thankful. Because he's so good. What point was that to? Two. Is it possible, can I ask you this, is it possible that the measure of his presence we experience is proportional to the measure of praise that we bring to him? Is that possible? Because if we come with our arms folded, even if he tries to give us something, we're not positioned to receive it. But when we come with our arms open, we're ready to receive his presence. Number three, this is a long one. Entering into his presence through praise empowers us to prophetically speak light into darkness. You know, when we sing songs like we sang this morning, let your name rule the atmosphere, we're not just singing a song. We're making a prophetic declaration over our life Jesus, no matter what's going on in my life, your name is higher, your name is greater. Let your name rule the atmosphere of my life. I won't be ruled by my circumstances. I won't be ruled by my disappointments. Let your name rule the atmosphere of my life. I acknowledge your goodness, your greatness, your power. I acknowledge your peace, that you're in control We're not only declaring that over our life, we're declaring that over our city. Jesus, let your name 
that is higher than any other name, that is higher than any principality or power. Let your name rule over Mildura. Let your name rule over our city. Your name is greater than any spirit of suicide, any spirit of depression, any, any spirit of whatever, any. We're declaring that over our lives. We're declaring that all of us together over our city. Over our community, it's not just a song we're singing, it's prophetic worship. It changes the atmosphere. It does things in our community when we come together as sons and daughters, kings and priests, and we start to declare things. And don't let the enemy tell you it doesn't mean anything or there's no power in it because that's a lie. It's powerful. It's amazing. And we don't always know what's happening when we worship, but something is happening in the atmosphere of our life, in the atmosphere of our city, in our family, in our soul. Something is happening when we declare His Word because His Word doesn't return void. It accomplishes what He sent it to do. Something is happening when we praise. Something is happening when we worship. We need to bring it. We need to bring it. What's due to his name, we need to bring it. Not withhold. Not withhold. He hasn't withheld anything from us. We need to bring it. We need to bring our praise. We need to bring our worship. We need to bring our gratitude. Yeah? When I neglect the presence of God in my life, I lose my peace. Does anybody else lose their peace when they neglect His presence? I lose my perspective. Things that should be small get big and things that should be big get small. When I neglect the presence of God in my life, problems that should be little become huge and my God that should be the biggest becomes small in my perspective because I've neglected his presence. To be honest, I lose the plot when I neglect his presence. Does anybody else? You forget the big picture. You forget what you're here for. You forget what God has done for you. You forget the path you're meant to be going on. You get distracted. You think you have to control everything. You get caught up in fear. You freak out. Or is that just me? Let's be real here. Who else loses the plot when they neglect the presence of God in their life? Big time. I become a person I don't like very much when I don't sit down with my Saviour and talk stuff through with Him. I'm not proud of the person I become and how I act sometimes when I'm not sitting with my Saviour regularly, daily. Because everything that I do comes out of this place of His presence. My whole life, this is the foundation. All my relationships, this is the foundation. Everything works better when it comes from a place of His presence. Number four, everything is more effective out of the place of His presence. Our prayer is more effective out of the place of His presence. 
sharing our faith with others is more effective when we've been sitting down with our shepherd. Serving God is more effective out of a place of His presence. That's why we say, sit one, serve one. If you're you're serving in one service, we want you to just sit in the other one. Just sit with the shepherd. Just get fed. Because we can get so busy doing, 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 doing. Oh, I'm serving Jesus. We just need to sit. And that's where our cup overflows. Because we're pouring out and he starts pouring back. And then our cup overflows and we've got something to share with others who are thirsty. We've got some bread to share with others who are hungry. That's when the outpour happens. That's when the outpour happens. When we pour out our praise, he responds by pouring out his presence. Can we stand together? We're just going to finish with a, with a little bit of worship, a bit of adoration, a bit of gratitude. So if you, if you came in this morning distracted, now's the moment to be focused on him and nothing else. Now's the moment to let your gratitude start to bubble up and outpour. Can we just take a moment to tell him how good he is? To tell him how much we love him. How we're so, so grateful that he's restored our soul. That he's leading us on the path of righteousness. that he sings over us, that he goes before us in everything. So grateful for his protection, for his perfect love. Thank you, Jesus, our saviour, our shepherd. We want to sit with you in this moment. today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website riveredgechurch.com.au.